Hello and welcome to Caskets, a podcast about whiskey for whiskey. My audio was absolutely wild last time, but hopefully we've fixed that. However, Jordan's audio is shocking this time because we were too busy focusing on mine. So hopefully next episode, things will actually work. I just had a great burrito bowl. You know, I'm good. I'm loving life. Now, Jordan, talk about your whiskey. Okay, first of all, I want to clarify something. This is a podcast for whiskey, about whiskey. It's about whiskey, and it's for the whiskey listening, the little bottles with headphones. Well, we'll disagree on that one. But, on a serious note, I also have an apology to make. Last episode, I was talking about American whiskeys briefly, and I actually forgot to mention uh, one of the classifications, which is Tennessee whiskey. Most famously, Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels is the best-selling whiskey in the world, actually. And the difference is, if you notice on the bottle, it says it is Tennessee whiskey, not bourbon. This is not to do with the location where it's made. Bourbon could be made elsewhere other than Kentucky. It is because Tennessee whiskey uses charcoal for filtration of the spirit, and this rounds off the spirit and also brings it a lovely sweetness. It's for this reason that it doesn't actually go along the lines of the rules that are followed for bourbons, and that is where the separation is drawn. Jack Daniels has loads of different flavors as well, doesn't it? It does like there's Jack Daniels honey, Jack yep. Daniels. I don't know. That's the only one I know of. I don't. So drink loads Jack of different flavors is Jack Daniels honey. Apparently, no, they they do though do multiple. I'm reminded that Jack Daniels mouthwash right now. <laughs> I really do want to find that mouthwash. Jack Daniels honey. Um, I think they do. Well, they did used to do Winter Jack as well, which was like a, a an apple Jack Daniels that you heated up. These are what fall under whiskey liqueurs. If you remember last episode, I was on about how if you add anything other than water and a little bit of colouring... Honey is right there, the second thing below Joe Daniels. Yeah, yeah these are whiskey liqueurs. They're, they're, they're things where you've added different flavours to the whiskey. So you've added honey to your whiskey and you've created a honey liqueur. Or if you add apples in there, you get an apple liqueur. If you add cherries, you get a cherry liqueur. It's how, how they do these things. But it's no longer just a whiskey, it's a whiskey liqueur. Often they will lower the alcohol strength to them as well a little bit. Sorry, um, I'm not poo-pooing liqueurs, there. actually. I really do like a few of them. We got completely off topic, so I think we'll just go into the episode. Yes. The episode. I entirely forgot about that, I'm going to be honest. So with that clarification out of the way, we're going to move on to Scotch, which is what we'll be looking at today. However, for those of you that aren't a fan of Scotch, uh, fear not, because next week we will, or next episode, we will be going on to um, Irish whiskies. So, there are five categories that make up Scotch whisky as we know it today. We have single malts, single grains, blended malts, blended grains, and blends. Ooh. Do whiskies have the same categories as scotch? You can just say yes or no. How do you mean? Well, is whiskey like single malt, single grain, blended malt, blended grain, and blends? Yes, these categories can apply to different countries that also make whiskey. The, the, the rules that the scotch whiskey follows for single malts is set by the Scotch Whiskey Association, the SWA, which I may have mentioned in the last episode. I think you did. Um, now, if you're making single malts outside of um, outside of Scotland, you can follow the Scotch Whiskey Association's rules, but you're not bound to them. So a lot of them tend to use them as guidelines, but they can be a little constricting, so you have the advantage of moving away as well as oh, you Oh, okay, to. okay, I understand. All of these whiskies must follow some of the same rules, a lot of which we mentioned in the last episode. I feel like we should very quickly cover what malted barley is for people that don't know, because... I thought it was a very ridiculous thing to ask, like everyone just knew that. Malted. I know you get malted milk biscuits. 
But I'm guessing that's a different process to malted barley. Um, what is malting? Because I'm assuming it's not like animals malting. And I remember... <laughs> Do you want to have a little laugh? <laughs> I mean, it's not stupid. I didn't know what no, malted barley was. Cool. I genuinely no, had to ask this, that. I get this picture of like malted milk biscuits being ground up to make <laughs> the whiskey. <laughs> like putting it in a mill and grinding up malted milk. No, okay, it's like two conveyor belts, and one's malted milk and one's malted barley. And like, okay, we can't mess it up again. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> no, because oh. some people might not know what malted barley That's is, and enough, I yeah. didn't know what it was, and you had to tell me because it doesn't really come no, into everyday it, life. It is a really fair, fair comment. Um, I really don't know what is it the same as malted milk? Process? I don't know what that I don't is. Know the process that goes into making malted milks <laughs> biscuits. I don't know. We need that. a how it's made episode, right? So, malted barley. <laughs> Barley is a cereal, like, um, it, it is what it is, it's a grain, so you can use things, for example, like oats and corn and when, rye or whatever, they're all cereal grains. Barley is a particular one that we, we use a lot. Um, it has a really long history, actually, barley was being used, they, they suspect that barley was used, even back in like ancient Egypt times, is, is the reference to some of the earliest uses of barley being used to make uh, alcohol of some form. It's very uh. good for making alcohol. So, when you make malted barley, you begin it with the, by activating the germination process of the barley. Now, this is part of the process that you have to do. You then heat it up, which is to stop it going too far and actually growing into new plants. So, single malts. Any, any guesses? Okay, single malts. Now, I was literally here when you typed out this list, and I think I typed it for you. So, what I remember from before lunch is it's... Well, it's single, so it's one. One not, what? Not to be a genius. I think it's one distillery, not barrel. Yes, correct. Single refers to it's the product of a singular distillery. You can get single barrel whiskies as well, but that is separate to a single malt. It isn't part of this classification. What do you think the malt refers to? Uh, that's the grain. So malt refers to the use of malted barley for the, for the uh, cereal. Now, this is really important because malted barley gives you some great flavours. Do you remember what I said about the stills you had to use? you got the regular stills and the copper ones, and it's either... I remember two things about stills. One, there's non-copper stills, and two, there's a tall one. A tall a tall boy still. A, like, I'm picturing a rectangle, like a rectangle still. Okay. First of all, they all have to have copper in them. Yeah, but there about, was... You said non-copper stills. They have to have copper in them. The copper contact's really important with the uh, spirit. There might have been last episode we were on about yes, non-copper stills. Yes, we covered stills, but you have to use copper stills if you don't have copper in, which we covered. Um, it starts to give you very sulfurous yes. spirit. Yeah, that was last time. Okay, so I'm going with my answer is the tall ones. Some of the stills can be tall. Glenmorangie's pot stills are 18 feet tall, I think, off the top of my head. No, not like... Very, very tall stills. Not conventional stills that are tall, but actively tall, like a different shape that's tall. There's something about tall, right? You have to use copper pot stills. Now, copper pot stills are um, actually a very inefficient way to distill. They they tend to have a, a lovely kind of round, bulbous bottom, uh, and then the, 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 still, the, the still neck then goes up from there, and then you have the lin arm where the spirit vapour escapes towards the condenser. Like an onion. 
actually, you do get onion-shaped stills. That is a very good example. But they don't like have Like a arms. use onion-styles, onion-shaped stills. Uh, very, very, um, very squat kind of still. They heat. They also, at Lagavulin, they, they fill the spirit very high in there, and they heat it rather fast so that the spirit can escape. Now, that leaves a lot of the impurities in the spirit and gives Lagavulin a wonderful kind of big-bodied side to it, which suits the spirit style. However, going back to Glamorangi, who had the really tall stills, the um, the longer the spirit's in that still, because it's a very high neck, it has to work harder to escape, the spirit becomes very light, and Glamorangi has this wonderful light spirit style. Uh, examples of single malts include Glenfiddich, Glenmorangi, and Lagavulin, as I mentioned earlier. Each are named after their respective distilleries. However, you don't need to name a whiskey after the distillery it's made at, which I seem to remember you did ask me the other day. Single grains. So, again, Single refers to what? Sorry, uh, you should be guessing. Yeah, I get to guess. Uh, single grain, I'm going to go with, okay, single again meaning one, grain again meaning grain. So I'm going to guess it's one grain. Single is the distillery, again. Oh, man. Parts of one distillery. You see? One, one distillery, one grain. Um, but a community of love. <laughs> single refers to the use of one distillery, as we covered with single malt. Yeah, yeah, we did cover that. Grain means that they can use cereals that does not need to be malted barley. You can still use malted barley and grain. So, uh, like Lomond, who I'll, I'll mention later on, their single grain is still used as malted barley for the for the uh, for the cereal used. But they, um, because of stills, which I'll get to in a moment, it's still not a single malt. Grain whiskey is uh, used as a, a vertical column still, which is often called a continuous still or a coffee still. Not to be confused with the drink coffee. It was perfected by a man called Angus Coffey, who was an Irish excise agent, actually. And in his spare time, he perfected the uh, stills and, and made them work better. They're far more industrious. They create a lot more spirit very quickly. And uh, the spirit that you, you create there is actually a lot lighter than what comes out of a pot still. Sorry, you were going to say. It's not relatively important, but I, I'm curious. Did coffee come out before him? Yes, coffee was around before him. So it's, everyone uh, was his, like, oh, it's coffee guy. His what name is tool. spelt C-O-F-F-E-Y, coffee. Not For a hot second, I was like, that's exactly how you spelled coffee before you said the Y. I was like, so his name was spelled exactly like the drink. Yeah, so different, it, nothing to do with the drink coffee. Everything to so do with examples, <laughs> So examples of single grain include Loch Lomond single grain, as I said. Cameron Brig was one. I think that's discontinued at the moment, but that was a really nice single grain. Oh, uh, Hague Club, which is another single grain. Why do they get discontinued? Is it just like they're waiting for the whiskey to mature? Sometimes it can be that they're holding it off whilst they're waiting for whiskey to mature. But if, if it gets to discontinued, it usually means it's off the market for good. Oh, okay. So, blended malts. Any guesses? That is malted grains blended. Like hugging a friend. <laughs> it's like when you get molten milks in a food processor and you whiz it around. That would be genuinely disgusting. Like, can you imagine? Like, because that would just be biscuit sediment at the tea. <laughs> a blend is basically a recipe. So you use multiple uh, malt whiskies and you combine them together at certain ratios and this will give you your blend, your recipe that you're selling. Blends came around because um, it was a need of consistency and to create these flavours. And you can malt any grain? No, malt has to use malted barley. Oh. It's, still, it's, it's using single malts. So it... blend, with blended malt, what you're doing is you're picking up these single malts. So, for example, earlier on I said Glenfiddich, Glenmorangie, Lagavulin. If I was to take those three 
single malt whiskies, a Glenfiddich, a Glenmorangie, and a Lagavulin. Vat them all together, have it all married together, and then bottle it. That would be a blended malt because all the whiskey that went into there were malts, but it's from multiple distilleries, hence blend. I understand now. Um, can you use rice as a grain? Uh, that goes down the route of sake. Right, okay. Uh, you can't use rice for whiskey now. Examples of blended malts include Old Perth, which is done by the Morrison Mackay Company, and Monkey Shoulder, which is actually uh, the family who own Glenfiddich. They do Monkey Shoulder, the Grants family. Blended grain, any guesses? I'm going to say that's when um, you move, mix, not move, uh, mix two grains or more together. Yeah, single grain whiskies. Exactly the same principle as a blended malt, but you can use any grain whiskies for it. There's no malt gone into this blend. Uh, examples of this is, um, well, the, the one I always think of is uh, Hedonism by Compass Box, which is a really delicate, gentle, uh, really nice whiskey. Very nice in the summer, actually. I like the way that one looked. And then we have blends. Now, any guesses for blends? Okay, now this isn't going off what I guess, but what I think I wrote. And is that when different distilleries blend together or something? Maybe? I mean, a blend is always different distilleries. So oh. Whether it's blended malt, blended drain, or a blend, it's always different distilleries. As I was saying with the Glenmorangie, Glenfiddich, like a Vuling principle for, for a blended malt. A whiskey collaboration. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a recipe that you can create these flavours with. So often, if you were to put Lagavulin, they don't put Lagavulin in blends because there's so little Lagavulin around. It's a bad example, really, in this case. But Lagavulin's a very peaty whiskey, so in reality, they probably use Kalila. Now, Kalila's a very, very big distillery. That's why they can use that one. There's a lot of spirit around. If you use peaty whiskey in a blend, you tend to use a little bit of it because it goes a long way. So it doesn't have to be equal percentages. Oh, no, no, no. The, the, um, the recipes vary wildly. There's all sorts of different flavours they create, and they're very closely guarded. Uh, in fact, things like, names like, well, Johnny Walker, Grants, they're, they're blenders who created these recipes, and then they named them after their, themselves. They're, they're the names of the blenders who created these recipes, and they're very closely guarded kind of things. Okay, so real quick, can they, so what, you just buy a whiskey from a different company, and they'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to use this for my thing, or is it like, let's all agree to blend this, and then we'll split the percentages? No, no, no. What happens is the blend... Kind of, a lot of blends are owned, a lot of blends and distilleries these days are owned by big companies. And sometimes you'll have distilleries that go exclusively with some of your blends. So Strathyla is for Shivers Regal, and that's owned by Pernod Ricard, uh, who also own things like Glen Livet and, and many other distilleries. They also own Ballantine's blend, which is a different recipe to, uh, to Shivers Regal. So some distilleries are kind of the spiritual homes of certain blends, so Cardu for Johnny Walker, Strathyla, as I was mentioning, for Shivers Regal. And so, yes, you'll usually use distilleries you own where you can, but then there's also distilleries like Tomatin, who, who are a huge distillery. I mean, Tomatin used to be the largest distillery in Scotland, and their whiskey went into nearly every single blend at one stage. And they produce a lot of whiskey even to this day, which is designated for blending because there it's a very high quality light spirit that's very good and doesn't overpower your blends. Does that make sense? Yeah, cool. So blends. They are a blend of whiskies from multiple distilleries using a combination of malt and grain whiskies. So you often use the malt, as I was saying with the Lagavulin example, for the flavour, 
uh, and you only need a small amount of malt to create this flavour, whereas you can use a lot more grain to make up the volume, spread your cost out a lot more, because, as I said earlier, grain whiskey is uh, it's cheaper to make. You can do it on the larger stills. Antiquary, uh, Johnny Walker and Famous Grass are all examples of blends. Regions of Scotch. There are six regions to Scotland. You get the Speyside region, the Highlands. The Lowlands. The Lowlands, yeah, any others? No, you really took it away from me with the Highlands as well. The other two I know, Highlands and Lowlands. Uh, Sky. Which falls under a category of? Uh, islands. It is the islands, yes. Any others you know? There's two left. Can you give me a hint? Um, one I'm, is an island in its own right, but it's got its own region. Isla? Yes. I'm trying to think Isla. of where you've got the little stickers in the shop. And there's one last one. Oh, there's so many. Six. That's more than five, Jordan. It is more than five, yes. I'm going to say the Highlands. You've already said Highlands. No, I didn't. I never said Highlands. You said Highlands. Campbelltown is the other region. Oh, man. I should remember that because I always think of... Um, Bruce Campbell? No, actually. I always think of... Soup? No. Uh, where's that place in the London? I always go. Oh, Camden. Camden, Yeah. Not related. Hi, so full disclosure, this bit is being added on at the at the end of the podcast. Due to the current kind of climate with, um, well, the, the pandemic that's going on in the world and everything else, we kind of ended up making too much information, if anything, for this episode. And we're going to combine all this information into two episodes, which, first of all, I apologise. I know at the start of this episode I said we'd move on to Irish. I promise you Irish will be after this next episode. It's not going to be a full-length episode next time. It'll probably be... It uh, might be a little bit shorter, but not by too much. We, we're just going to finish off the regions which we briefly covered in this one, talk about Pete a little bit, and end up reviewing the whiskey that we would have been reviewing today. Uh, instead, we're going to review a different whiskey because that one ties in nicely to the next episode, and hopefully we're all back to normal after this. All right, then. Thank you. So... Today we're talking about Edridor 12-year-old, the Caledonia release. Uh, Edridor is a wonderful Highland distillery. I don't know if we've ever talked about it before. Mm, doesn't ring well. No. Edridor is actually, it used to be the smallest distillery in Scotland, actually. Very, very small distillery. However, with the rise of kind of craft distilleries and a couple of new smaller distilleries, there was a debate as to whether they still had the title anymore, but also Edridor needed to, um, well, they needed to increase their capacity a little bit. So it's still not, it's not a very large distillery, but it's no longer the smallest one and they kind of had to keep up with demand, which I think, I, I certainly agree, is a more sensible approach. It's nice to have that title, but demand is always important. Edridor's owned by um, the Signatory, who they, they do some wonderful independent bottlings, and the owners ended up buying the distillery to ensure they had a supply of really nice whiskey. And uh, the stills are really nice small ones, it creates a nice big meaty spirit, and it's great for sherry cask maturation. So I think without further ado, we can talk about or, or try the Edridor. Anything what do you mean like? by meaty spirit? Because I'm assuming <laughs> not that it is made with steak. No, okay, Like, like so... a thick one? <laughs> It is, yeah. Like a dense when I body. when I talk about meaty spirit, uh, I pretty much had this exact same question when I first started learning about whiskey, and someone else said meaty spirit to me, and I pretty much said exactly the same thing to you. Do you I presume you're not talking about steak. You were like, "Wait, is this vegan?" <laughs> Whiskey's vegan, first of all. Whiskey liqueurs aren't. Uh, it's specific if they've yeah, had honey it... or cream in them, but you can also get vegan whiskey liqueurs sometimes. So 
That's it. I know yeah. about the list killer cause look to yours because you're like, I'll oh, try this one, and then you're like, oh wait, I don't think you can. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so obviously if it has honey in it, it can't be a, a vegan liqueur and the cream ones certainly aren't as well. But there are actually apparently some vegan whiskey liqueurs as well. So vegan whiskey drinkers out there, don't worry, it does exist. Yeah, we're all like really worried about that. <laughs> some people might be. No, when I talk about the meaty spirit, it's again, kind of getting towards when I talk about how impurities get through. So earlier on in this episode, we were talking about Lagavulin and how they have very small stills and the spirit escapes the still very easily because they fill them very high and it gives a lot more impurities, that kind of bigger body, a little bit more sulfurousness to it, but in a, in a good way because after maturation, it balances out. But it definitely translates across into the final product. It it You can tell it has that more more body to it, as I was saying, and then more of a feel. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it is, it's, a, it's, I don't know why I call it a meatiness, but the term works. It is. It's, it's a nice, big, meaty whiskey. Absolute unit. It is. It's an absolute unit, I suppose you could say. Yeah, it's 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 gone past chonky at that stage. Ah. Uh, but no, if you'd like to pick up your um, okay. glass of Edgedore 12. Are these different shape ones, last ones? Uh, slightly different ones, but the lids are transferable. I, I managed to claim a couple of glasses. So we're just using the new ones. Oh, oh yes. Swill it. Swill it if he likes, yeah. Still Capitas, though. Still Capita glasses. I'm not good at this swelling. I fear it's going to just pour out everywhere. Then you know the whiskey? Oh, that doesn't smell bad. Yeah, so what, what do you think? I thought you, I suspected you might like this one. I'm going to say sherry cask, like I do for everything. You are correct, though, in this this time. Yes. yes, it is a sherry cask matured whiskey. Edredor being that very bit, I'm going to say it again, meaty whiskey. It's you there. know what they say, you miss 100% of the sherry you don't take. Well, <laughs> maybe in like the bodegas, yeah. Um <laughs> So yeah, when you have that big kind of body, it really does lend itself to sherry cask swell. And with Edredor, it just pairs perfectly. Um, well, I tell you what, we'll see you on a roll. Let's see what else, what you got on the nose out of interest. No wrong answers, remember? Except for the wrong ones. Except for the wrong ones, yeah. Now it is bottled a little higher as well. This is 46, I believe. I'm just going to cheat. Now, a part of me, I don't know if it's when I opened yeah. this and first smelt it, or if it was like an hour ago or something, but I thought of lemons. I don't think it has anything to do with this because I just smelt it with lemons in mind and nothing. So I'm thinking that could have been a completely irrelevant thing that I thought of maybe an hour ago and just reminded me. Possibly. Or, as I, I mean, I, I didn't use lemon in this case, but I have been known to wash a glass out with some very heavily scented, like, um, lemon washing up liquid. Or uh, I've, I've sometimes dried it with lemon scented towels and things, and that transcribes across. But these are brand new glasses, and I know I didn't use any washing up liquid. Well, I used some washing up liquid, but I used a very low scented one. So, I mean, if you're getting lemons, maybe you are just picking up some lemons. No, I'm super not getting lemons. Good, because like, there's no wrong answers, but that was wrong. I was just thinking of lemons at some point today, and it popped into my head now. So, I mean, the, the legs of the whiskey, quite wide apart, slow running it is. It's quite a, a medium to heavy whiskey. Uh, again, the colour's wonderful, rich, dark kind of amber. It really does give you that kind of sherry cask sense right from the from the get-go. Sure. As for the nose, I mean, I, I will say I, I don't get lemons. No, me neither. <laughs> uh, whoever said lemons was an idiot, like, it's ridiculous. Well, no, no, no name shaming on this podcast. No name shaming. <laughs> well, it wasn't you, <laughs> unless it's Dave. God damn it, Dave. Oh, Dave. You, still, you found that cask yet? Who knows? So yeah, it's 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 nice. It's got a, a, a fruitiness to it, as sherry casks tend to do. There's certainly a richness. There's a little bit of sweetness to it. It's it's more sweet than dry on the nose. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say there was a fruitiness to it? Yeah. Are lemons not a fruit? More. Um, when I say fruitiness with sherry casks, I mean more kind of fruit cakey Christmas cake fruit flavors. 
you know, your, your raisin, sultan. There's a little bit of orange peel sometimes. But I, I don't get the orange peel on this one. I think dates go into... Dates. Look, I don't eat fruitcake. You don't if, if it's got fruit in it, fruit. it's not a cake, okay? <laughs> Chocolate cake. I'm just going to say it now. Chocolate cake, be all, end all. And yes, the occasional lemon drizzle cake. Victoria sponge. Victoria sponge, if I'm really slumming it. Wow. But if you put fruits in my cake, in my cookies, or in my scones, yes, I say scones. No thank you. But back to the whiskey. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's like I say, it's rich. It's got a, a little bit of a, a, a maltiness to it, I think, uh, which often it, it comes across nicely. The... Um, yeah, it's just a little bit of spice at the back, but I, I would say it's predominantly more sweet than uh, dry on this finish. And uh, if you'd just like to talk a little bit whilst I take a sip so we don't have dead air. Uh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a whiskey, apparently. I don't have much to say on it. It smells like sherry, and that's pretty much all I picked up from it. So, yeah, with, with the whiskey, I'm going to say it again. The mouthfeel, it's important. Um, it does have a little bit of a drier mouthfeel, actually. Although it's sweet on the nose, you do get more of a dryness coming through. It's kind of contradictory. However, the sweetness does build, and particularly on the finish, it lingers. Um, certainly continues with that rich theme. A lot more of the spice comes through as well. And I think Edredor 12 is great whiskey for the winter. I mean, don't get me wrong, some people like it all year round. For me, I probably said this before, I love sherry cask whiskey in the winter. I think it's great. Can you do like a mulled whiskey? <laughs> you know, like mulled wine? Mm, it wouldn't be a whiskey, but I don't see why not. A little kind of hot toddy situation. Ah, you see now, falling back to a little bit of conversation that we had previously in this episode. Jack Daniels, the winter Jack whiskey oh, yeah. liqueur, was something that you heated up and it had like the apple side to it. And yeah, so yeah, you can do it that way. But again... You would be branching down the cures at that stage. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I, um, I mean, each to their own. I personally wouldn't be using things like Edredor 12 just to make a uh, a liqueur or a mould mold kind of wine approach. Why? You know, drink it how you want to drink it. True, drink it how you want to drink it. But for me, I love it at room temperature in a glass. And so I think that's going to wrap up today's tasting. Now, I know it's a little bit more rushed. Like I say, we've had to kind of get this thing squeezed in and alter a few kind of parts around. Um, I will I will upload the full tasting notes to the website as well as a picture of Edredor 12. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to people who are listening. You're um, welcome. <laughs> I'd like to say thank you to my fellow co-host, co-host apparently as well. It's good to get the respect I deserve. Yes. Recognition. So, look... Stay safe with the pandemic going on. Um, all joking apart, I hope this does pass fairly uh, quickly, I suppose, and I hope we get back to a normal kind of situation. As always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It really does help new shows. If you have any questions, feel free to email me by going on our website or clicking on the link in the description. If you do like the show and want to support us a little, you can donate on our website. I assure you donations won't get spent on whiskey, but instead towards coffee, tea, and helping the show. I also need to say a big thank you to Adrian and Alison Murray, owners of the Wee Dram Whiskey Shop in Baykul, Derbyshire. The shop has a wide range of whiskies available, as well as a few gins, and they will always give you their honest opinion and advice, and are just genuinely good people. Well, that's it for today, and I will leave you with one editing goof. See ya. I just need to have a drink real quick. Drink break.
I drink out of a water bottle. And you know what? Crispy has not since had any of my water since I started doing this. So.